Well, as James mentioned to you this morning, we are excited about a special Sunday called Orphan Stand Sunday. And uh, many of you have been around Southwest for a, a good period of time know that we have partnered with Christian City since its very beginnings. Uh, we have been with partnering with them. It's very special, near and dear to our hearts. Um, I remember being in the youth group and I had a cottage of guys from Christian City that were in the youth group with me that were, were friends of mine that I grew up with. And so they're very special. But today we have a special guest with us here today, Michaela Guthrie, who is the director of the Crossroads program at Christian City that is uh, kind of a new program there. And she's going to come and share with us her testimony, but also tell us a little bit about the Crossroads Foster and Adoptive Program and how we uh, can possibly get involved. That I want to turn your attention to, in your bulletin this morning, you should have had a little insert. And I want you all to know that... Um, there's many ways you can help with fostering and adopting. Some people say, hey, I could never do that. You know, I could not take a kid into my home. I wouldn't. I, this, what, this what I hear a lot is that I couldn't give them back. You know, I would get so attached. And we know there's lots of different reasons, but there's so many ways that you can be a part of helping those who have been displaced from their home through fostering and adopting. There's so many ways. So in that insert, you can see the different ways that we need help. So please take a look at that. And uh, let's give... Uh, Michaela, a hand as she comes up here to share with us this morning. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thanks so much for having me. I was super excited to see your new building. Um, but yeah, as Craig stated, I um, am Michaela Guthrie, and I work with Christian City, and I am the program executive for their newest program, Crossroads Foster Care and Adoption. And so I'm excited to get to share a little bit of information about that with you today. Um, you will notice um, there's a little table out there with some brochures and information. And so before I get into telling you a little bit more about that program, I want to tell you a story about a little girl. And this little girl's name is Michelle. Michelle grew up in poverty. Sometimes no running water, no heat in the winter, and a lack of food on the table. Michelle was sexually abused by her Sunday school teacher physically and emotionally abused by the hands of her mother and father, and her parents were drug abusers, her father a drug dealer. Michelle watched her father beat her mother and oftentimes tried stopping them from hurting one another. Michelle's older sister passed away when she was only eight years old. Because of these things, Michelle became the primary caretaker of her siblings, cooking and cleaning what little, knew, what little she knew how. And in addition, Michelle's mom battled a mental, a mental health illness and was in constant distress, always threatening to take her own life. And her drug abuse just fueled her illness. Michelle was 11 years old when she woke up to hearing her mom's gun cock. She immediately ran in her mother's bedroom where she pleaded with her mom not to pull the trigger. After what seemed like an eternity of attempting to talk her mom out of doing so, Michelle watched her mother shoot herself. Her mom survived, but Michelle was placed in foster care. While she was in care, her mother passed away when Michelle was just 13 years old, and she was in foster care from the ages of 11 to 19. Um, um, Michaela, Ma that Michelle goes by Michaela, Ma Michaela Sanderson and standing right here in front of you today. I'm that little girl. And I tell you that story because, well, number one, God is good, and um, he truly works all things for our good. Um, and number two, because my story is the story of many of the kids in our state today, um, in your communities um, that are in foster care. And 
We launched this program at Christian City um, this year, and we're super excited um, because there are about 15,000 kids in foster care just in the state of Georgia. So if you can wrap your mind around that number, that is huge. And that number doubled within the last five years. About In 2013, there are about 7,200 kids in foster care. Um, and they say that's due to just the awareness of abuse now and um, just the increase um, for um, abusers of opioids. And so um, I'm here today to tell you a little bit about that and tell you about our program. Um, we do foster care, foster to adoption, and state adoption. So state adoptions will be those kids who have been in foster care previously and their parents' rights were terminated um, for whatever reason. Typically, they're older children um, or children that are large, a part of a large sibling group or have some medical needs. Um, so if, if that's something that you're interested in, I'd love to hear um, from you and answer any of your questions. Um, let's see. Yeah, so feel free to stop by the table or come and find me afterwards. I'd be happy to answer those questions. And so I think um, we're going to move into offering, so I'll um, bless that now. So if you'll just bow your heads with me. Dolora, thank you so much for this day, and I thank you for Southwest Christian and um, them taking a stand for orphans today. And I um, just lift this church up to you, and I just pray that um, as we pass around the offering plate, Father, that you just continue to bless our finances as we give back to you. And we ask all this in your name. Amen. Right. Uh, our message today is going to be more stories. You heard an incredible story that uh, Michaela shared with us about her own life. Um, many of you may know some of the folks in our church that have been foster parents or adoptive parents or known some kids that have been fostered or adopted. And so we have picked out a few of those today um, to share their stories because I think, obviously, people's stories are so powerful and you need to hear it from some of those people. So today we've got a couple of live interviews that we're going to do on stage here. I'm going to interview first um, Lisa Andrews. A lot of y'all know Mark and Lisa Andrews, and uh, Mark is actually teaching Sunday school down the hall this morning during the first service. But Lisa's going to come in just a few minutes, and I'm going to talk to her about uh, their story of being adoptive parents. And then after that, we're going to see a, a video of the Farrell family. Some of y'all know Brian, Charlotte, a Farrell, and they're going to tell their story um, about being adoptive parents. And then I'm going to, we have Pete and Abby Dockery with us today, and I'm going to talk to them about being adoptive parents. And then we have another video of Vicki and David Rowden talk about both fostering and adopting. So we hope through, through, through these stories, it will inspire something in you um, to be a part of that. Um, I'm not sure if this statistic is right. Maybe Michaela Kemp. She said there were 15,000 um, kids in the Georgia system that need to be uh, adopted. And if I'm not mistaken, there are at least 15,000 churches in the state of Georgia that if every church would just commit to taking one child and being a part of that. It doesn't mean everybody in the church, but if one church would say, together, we're going to make sure that one kid, you would, you see what that would do. It would take away all the adoptive kids out of the system and they would be in loving and safe homes till they could get back with their families eventually. And that's what the goal is always. So that's something to think about. And I hope that's something that maybe inspires you today. So I'm going to ask Lisa to come on up today. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about her and Mark's uh, journey to adopt. So I'm going to ask you to come here and... All right, and 
I know some of y'all might be a little difficult to see, but hopefully you can hear us. So Lisa, can you kind of maybe just share with us a little bit how you and Mark came to the decision to say, hey, this is something we want to do. Can you share that with us? Um, absolutely. And I know that I owe a big debt of gratitude to many of you here because you all were our support when we decided to adopt. Um, but yeah, our, our story of adoption actually, God used the vehicle of infertility for us to decide to adopt. Um, it wasn't something we had thought about initially, but, but God just opened our eyes to the fact that there were so many children already in, in the world who needed a mom and dad. And we had had an, an elder at our church in Savannah and he told us, I think, I think Mark and I had been married about eight years. And he said, I don't want to see two good parents go to waste. Y'all need to adopt. And we were like, okay, Mr. Hugh, thank you. <laughs> and so we just, you know, filed that away. But that was absolutely God speaking to us saying, you know, you, you have a lot to offer. And there are children out there who need, who need a mom and dad. So... That was kind of from, from the elder in our church, Mr. Hugh, okay. who spoke that into us. And yeah. All right. So, so kind of walk us through from there. How did, uh, how did, did y'all come about? How did that process go for y'all? Oh, okay. Well, you know, at, at first we thought that we, we wanted to do an international adoption. Um, we were open to that. We didn't feel as though you know our children needed to to look like us or anything like that and we, we had heard of an agency out of Oregon called Holt Children's Services and we were so impressed with them and the the way they approached adoption was finding parents for the children that they had in care not finding a child for us because it's it wasn't about us they wanted to find parents for children and they said that might take a little longer but we want to make sure we have the right fit for what this child needs. And so, so we, we made the application through Holt. We, um, we decided to go to India um, to do our adoption because we didn't have to go to India to complete the adoption. But as the time got closer, we were like, how can we not travel to our child's country to try and understand where they're coming from, to understand what it's going to be like for them to be in a new country. And so that, that was a big encouragement that we had had from other adoptive families in the church was if there's any way for you to go to that country, do that. And so, and so we did that for our, our adoption of our son and our daughter. And that was how we did it. Right. Yeah, yeah, a lot of prayer. Um, and just like I said, without the support and the encouragement of our, of our Southwest family, I don't know if we could have, you know, continued on the path. So, so, so how did that feel when you first had that first interaction with uh, Michael and Sarah? Uh, it, was, it was pretty awesome because, you know, they, the, the orphanages, or the one orphanage where both of our children were in care in the same place, they had done such an awesome job in preparing them for us. Um, we had sent pictures of ourselves and our dog and our home and so that, so that the child could get an idea, both Michael and Sarah, of who we were. 
but when, whenever we, we first met them, it was just awesome because it's like, okay, here's, here they are. They're, they're not just a picture on a piece of paper. They're not just, you know, information of height and weight and what size clothes we think they, they're going to wear. This is an actual person here. And, and it, it was just awesome. Michael, he took us by the hand and he took us upstairs and we started playing Hot Wheels and all this. And of, of course, with both of our children, the language was an issue because mm -hmm. they, they understood some English and we understood a, a little Hindi, but not, not very much. So there was a lot of hand gesturing and pointing right. and smiling and taking pictures and you know, selfies <laughs> at that time. Um, so yeah, it, it was pretty awesome, overwhelming to, to realize, okay, here's the child that God, God knew all this time was here and needed a family and God was just preparing the way for us to get there um, to bring them back to the States. That's great. Yeah. Um, do, we have, do we have some pictures of Michael and Sarah we could put up? I don't know. Yes, we oh, do. There they are. Yeah. This was Michael at 12, and we had already had him in our home for about five years. And I think this was either the day after or the day when, when Sarah first came to Georgia. So, yeah, she was, she was four, and he okay. was 12. Okay. Yeah. All right, we got another one there. Yeah, and this was Michael whenever he first came to Georgia, when he was seven. Um, and that's the dog, right? That's the yeah. dog, Winston. Yeah, he loved that dog. <laughs> that was, I think he was more excited whenever we came into the house to see the dog than anything else. It was like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's our son, Michael. All right, so. we got another one. There we go. Yeah. And this is Sarah when she was four. And I think the, the one on the left wearing overalls, and that was her first Easter egg hunt here at Southwest. Uh -huh. And, and then playing in, in the rain with her first swimsuit and her first umbrella. And she'd probably be mortified if she knew these <laughs> she pictures were up here. Yeah. All um, right, we got another one there. I think there's one, is there one of the whole family, or is that it? There's, oh, there it goes. Oh, well, no, that's for Yay, the next family. there's a dog. That's, that's the dog. Yeah, and, and just for, for information now, Sarah is now 23, and Michael is 31. So it's been a few years. And I think it's appropriate today yeah. because it is uh, Veterans Day that Michael yeah. served as yeah. a Marine. Yeah, he's a Marine. He's, he's a veteran. Um, so, yeah, he, he served as a Marine, so we're very proud of him yeah. Yeah. for that. Well, what, what is maybe some of the most rewarding things that has been for you and Mark as far as adoptive parents? Um, I think probably the most rewarding thing as I think about that is... You know, for, for our children, if they had not been adopted, and I don't, I don't know this because, you know, God knows the plans that he had for them, but I know by them coming here and being embraced by the people at Southwest and being taught, they, they both accepted the Lord and they were both baptized here at Southwest. And I, I can't say if that would have happened had, had they stayed in India in care. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, being India is not primarily a, a Christian country, right. but I think that's one of the most rewarding things, mm -hmm. you know, just, just to know they're both 
they both have their faith in Jesus now Absolutely. as a result of that. Well, what, what's, what has been um, some of the most mm -hmm. challenging things about being an adoptive parent? Um, I think some of the most challenging things for us is just not knowing a lot of the, the history of Michael and Sarah before they came into care. And it's just a, a lot of unknowns that I can't help them with. Um, I don't know, I don't have answers for them. And their situations are such that I don't know if, if we can ever find answers for them. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's been challenging, just trying to help them, you know, can come to a place of understanding that, you know, I'm, I might not know this because they're, they're always gonna have that space in their heart of just the unknown of not knowing, you know, what happened. Right. And so I think that's been challenging. Um, yeah, I would say that's the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. what, would you, what would you say to maybe somebody here today that's thinking about maybe adopting or, or has friends or family that's thinking about adopting? What would you mm -hmm. say to maybe encourage them? Oh, I would say, you know, absolutely, you know, pursue it, um, find out more about it, and reach out to other adoptive parents, um, because that was the, the biggest encouragement and the, the information for us was talking to other adoptive, adoptive parents. I mean, we were able to get information from the agencies and um, from, from social workers, but, but just talking to other adoptive parents who went through the process, because we, we got the encouragement, of course, to, to travel overseas, right. and we got the encouragement to, you know, do everything we could to find out about their, their history so that they would have something, some kind of background. And um, yeah, I would just encourage them to absolutely reach out to other adoptive, right. adoptive families who already have children in place. And then as, as an extended family, if you, have, if you have children who are thinking of adopting or if you have you know, other extended family, just really encourage them to do that. Encourage them to, to go forward. Encourage them that, that you're, gonna, you're gonna be there for them, whether that child looks like them, whether that child has the same skin color or not. Just let your extended family know that you are gonna be there and you are gonna accept that child as the family. Um, because whether or not they share genetics or in our case, whether they share skin color or hair color or anything like that, just encourage the adoptive parents to be that you're gonna be accepting and loving and that child is just the same as if you had given birth. So just, good. just encourage good. them. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, um, last thing, could you maybe share a little bit? I know um, you guys, specifically Mark has had a, um, a passion mm -hmm. about continuing doing something. I think it's called Adoptive Family Services. Mm -hmm. yeah. And could you just kind of maybe share just a little bit about that new venture? And Mark's got a table out there as well you can look at next mm -hmm. to Michaela's. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's an organization Mark started called um, AFR, Adoptive Family Resources. Resource. And what he is um, envisioning in this organization is just to be a real support for adoptive families, especially after the, the child comes home and comes into the family. Um, we've seen that there's a lot of support and a lot of um, a lot out there for foster families who have foster children in the home. 
but it seems like a lot of times once a family adopts, the concept is that, oh, everything's fine now. That child's home, they don't need anything else, right. you know, but, but in essence, the, the adoptive family needs a lot of support and they need a lot of encouragement. Um, and so what, what Mark is envisioning with this organization is to have support groups, um, to, to work with adoptive parents in you know, issues that might come up with, with attachment and loss. And like I had mentioned earlier, just a lot of the unknowns, how, right. how to deal with that. Mm -hmm. And so he's just envisioning this organization as just a real support network mm -hmm. for adoptive families. And then also if there's, there's parents or families that are looking to adopt, it's also a resource to point them right. in the right direction help yeah. to help them find a good, reputable agency. He's, he's not gonna be doing adoptions or, or placements, but he can definitely refer people to, yeah. you know, really good, How to do that good agencies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. what he's doing. Okay. So well, good. He's excited. Well, Lisa, we appreciate it. Thank you. We we love you guys. We appreciate what y'all done, and, and mm. thanks for sharing. And obviously, y'all can talk to them more. And uh, please stop at Mark's table out there and get some more information. I think I said services, but adopt oh, a family resources. resources. That's, that's okay. right. Same yeah. idea. So <laughs> thank you. We appreciate it, Lisa. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, now we're going to see a video of the Farrells, uh, Brian and Charlotte, and Sam, their son. Uh, they also have a daughter, Julia, and they adopted both of those. Some of y'all have met Sam and Julia. Sam is in our youth group here. Unfortunately, Julia could not be in the video or, or be there, but uh, they did a video with us earlier, and uh, just telling you a little bit about their story, so that'll be on the screens. Our journey started out with uh, trying to get pregnant, mm -hmm. and we went the infertility path for several years, and you know everything should have worked out, but God had a different plan. At the time, we were open to uh, uh, mixed race, uh, Latino child, and uh, Oklahoma's very adoption-friendly state, um, but for the most part, children born there, uh, blonde hair, blue eyes. And Julia's birth mother had walked into a satellite office that they had out in California, and she said, you know, her situation, she had to put, up, put her child up for adoption. She was pregnant at the time. I was in the room when she was born, and then they gave us a room at the hospital and she was in there with us, and uh, that was amazing, and we didn't sleep. Everybody always talks about the miracle of childbirth, but adoption is even more amazing because not only does the child come into the world, that's a miracle, um, the birth, but for God to have orchestrated that so that mm -hmm. child ends up with that family and the kid could have been born, you know, across the world or across the street, but that plan, the way it, the way it works out, we started the process up about two years later, and it was taking a while. That the, uh, the search for Sam. It took, took a year. Took a little longer, and you know we were praying just like the first time around, and we came to the realization maybe this just isn't going to happen. And you know we 
we're resolved to that, that you know, God blessed us with this one child, and we should be content and happy. And, you know, we'll we'll let it continue, but if it doesn't happen in you know next six, twelve months, okay. God had no point, and we got a call. So we went down to uh, Tampa, Florida on Father's Day in uh, 2001. We met his birth mother, uh, Sam was born two months later. Mm -hmm. Wow. And, and they were both born on a Wednesday at um, 201. 201. And uh, we got the bond as a family unit with no outside influences, which was really cool. And we got home and it was the <laughs> yes. same experience with, with the meals and the, uh, and the support of our church at the time. Well, Sam, is there anything you know you want to say maybe to people that uh, are watching this and that are adopt, you know, thinking about adopting or have been adopted with you? But if you get told, it doesn't like matter personally because you still have a family. It's better than like being adopted shouldn't really make you like get mad, you know? Right. Because either you don't know what the original outcome would have been, you know? You could have been living in, I don't know, like Ethiopia poor, you know, and starving instead of living in like a nice Atlanta family, you know? A nice Christian family, you could have like. You could have, you could have been dead. Like you don't know. Like it's better being alive with the family you actually get to have than actually being in a worse situation than you are. Right. Well, is there is there anything you guys might want to say to somebody that's in the process of adopting? I think people. We were concerned before we decided to adopt. That was one of the things that held us back. Why we did all the infertility is that. Well, what if you what if you don't love it the way you would love? A biological child. We never had a biological. We didn't know. Um, so that's like that's what holds you back. And then this baby's born, and it's like you know your heart just explodes. There's no way. There's no way it's possible that we could love anybody any more than we love them. There's no way. I think go for adoption right from the start <laughs> as soon as you can. I think is the best the best plan. And the the end goal. It's to be a parent. All right, there's yet another story you get to hear. And some of y'all recognize the Farrells. And uh, like I said, Sam. And, and again, if you have any questions, please talk to them. So I'm going to ask Pete and Abby to come on up at this time. We're going to do a, uh, another live interview. Now, a lot of y'all know Pete and Abby from Casas por Cristo. And... Uh, I've maybe even been on trips with them either to Mexico or to uh, Guatemala where they are now. And uh, um, so I appreciate maybe seeing their, their guys running around here on Sundays when they, when they come to visit. And uh, obviously uh, uh, Abby is Mike's daughter and son-in-law here. So uh, I'm just going to kind of ask you guys the same question. So uh, y'all already had some kids. And so what, what was the process to... Um, that y'all decide to say, hey, we, we want to adopt? Uh, I'll answer this one because uh, Abby clearly loves children and always has any way she can get them. But for me, <laughs> I, I never had really thought about adoption at all. Um, I, 
probably eight years ago, we had our two daughters. Um, our youngest was really small, and I had gone to, um, I had made a trip to Los Angeles to do uh, some recruiting for Casas por Cristo at a leadership conference, and uh, one of the speakers at the conference was a, was a lady who advocated for AIDS orphans, and we had a little booth set up where we were talking to people about coming on our mission trips and stuff like that, but while we were there, you could kind of hear what the speakers were saying, and so, you know, I'm a, I'm a numbers guy, and this lady was throwing out a lot of numbers and a lot of stats and stuff, and and at the time, uh, this is a larger number now, but at the time, there was 147 million orphans in the world. And a lot of those uh, parents had passed away from AIDS, and so, you know, they, there, was no, there was no outcome for these kids. And uh, it was much like the stat that you gave about the state of Georgia, that if, you know, every church in America would take in one orphan, or one family in every church in America would take in an orphan, that would alleviate this orphan crisis that the world world was facing and still is facing. Um, and it just really struck home to me, like, why have I never thought about this? Because, uh, you know, we as Christians know more than anyone the importance of being adopted into a family, into God's family. And so, you know, it was just to me uh, very eye-opening about adoption that I hadn't I hadn't taken any steps in helping alleviate this process. And so I went home and, and said to her, I think, I, think I'm, I think maybe we're supposed to adopt. Uh, I feel like God... It was hard to convince her, wasn't it? It was not hard to convince her, no. It was like, okay, yeah. which country do you want to adopt from? Right. And, you know, at the time we were serving in Mexico. And so uh, originally we wanted to adopt a child from Mexico. And, and that just didn't work out for, for whatever reasons. And... You know, through both of our adoptions, uh, we just saw God's fingerprints all over, all over everything. And so, uh, that's kind of how we came, we came to adopt, um, was just Probably God kind of revealing to, to me, especially, this is something that, that I think you need to do, so. Well, um, talk a little bit about. Uh, we'll still talk about the, your your two adoptive kids and how. Just a little short, of, you know, about how that came about. I'll do this one too. You're so easy. <laughs> I'll take the easy questions. Uh, well, our first son Ezra is from Ethiopia, um, and when we decided to adopt, uh, we had two daughters, and so I wanted a son. Of course. And so you know, there we went through the same agency that Lisa went through, Holt International, which is a great agency. Uh, both times we did that. So we, we wanted a boy, and we wanted an infant, and we wanted, uh, you know, as we were filling out all the paperwork, we, for, for whatever reason at the time, we, we wanted a healthy infant, uh, infant boy. And, uh, you know, God in all his wisdom gave us a unhealthy two-year-old baby boy. At least it was a baby boy. Right. Um, an unhealthy two-year-old baby boy that had a lot of medical issues. And, uh you know, the day after we, we sent in that paperwork, we, we were talking and we both felt really just a, a weight of, you know, why did we, why did we select we wanted a healthy baby? God's going to give us whatever baby that we can, we can handle. And, and, you know, God made that happen. And uh, Ezra had, was born with a form of spina bifida where uh, his spinal cord was tethered at the base of his back. And so when we met him and brought him home when he was two, he couldn't walk. Uh, he needed a major back surgery. And, and other complications caused some, some problems with his leg as well. And so he's had a couple of surgeries 
Um, we brought him home, and uh, he's been our family almost uh, seven years now. And uh, Solomon, our, our son from China, um, after we had after we had uh, three, four kids, we decided we didn't want to just have one adopted kid to be like the weird kid in our family. And so <laughs> we wanted him to have somebody else that was a little different, uh, a little different, um, that's not our biological child. And so uh, we kept getting monthly updates from our adoption agency with children that were waiting to waiting for for matches to families. Right. And uh, we inquired about two kids. One, one child had a, a heart defect, uh, a hole in his heart, and he was going to need surgery really quickly. Um, and about 40 other families had inquired about him. And then our son Solomon, uh, those of you that may, may know him, he has limb differences. Um, he has absence of hands. And we inquired about Anfeet, and we inquired about him, and we were the only family uh, of all uh, that, that had acquired, inquired about so our, our son Solomon. And so we just took that as a green light of God wow. saying, you know, this is the one for you. You're the only ones that inquired about him. And uh, he's been he's been amazing. He's our most determined child and uh, yeah, if any of y'all most hyperactive child. Unbelievable. Yeah, it doesn't slow him down at all. Not at right all. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, there's there's a lot of other ways that we just saw God uh, say, you know, this is what you're supposed to do. This is this is my will for for your family uh, along the way. So, if nothing else, adoption has strengthened our faith uh, and our walk in the Lord. Right. I'll let you take this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so Abby, maybe share a little bit about what's been most rewarding and what's been most challenging through this whole process. Okay. Uh, I think what's most rewarding is is kind of like with our biological kids and maybe I'm just a softy, but you know, when they call me mom, good grief. I mean, what an honor. Um, and, and just to see them thrive and wonder kind of like what Lisa said, what their life might've been like, I don't know. Um, but they seem to have a pretty fun one with, with us. And we're just, um, really thankful to have them and, and that they, they, they love us back. I mean, that's huge. It's a huge choice for them. So, um, and then I'd say probably what's the hardest is adoption starts with loss. Now, a lot of people um, love those coming home movies and with the sweet music and it's right. and it's so great. But you have to remember yeah. that it started with something awful, and that is they didn't get to stay with their birth families. That's not good. Um, and so that is for the rest of their lives something that you kind of have to work through and that's not easy. And even if they come to you like ours were two and three, there are still just huge holes and huge um, things that they missed out on not having a mom and a dad to constantly meet their every need. Mm -hmm. So for us, that's the hardest part. Yep. Um, So what would y'all say to, to people who are maybe considering adoption? Well, I would say... Um, like Lisa said, talk to, if you're really thinking about it, talk to people who have. Um, and I think you said before that we also thought about foster care when, when we had just Eden and Charlotte. And I said that same thing. I don't know if I could, you know, give them back. And that was so wrong because that is all about I, I couldn't, it's not about you. It's about, you know, if you can love a kid, 
how about you stop thinking so much about what that might do to you and what that could um, do for them. So I think just uh, try and think about what's your role in all of this because you have one. Um, you just need to figure out if it's adoption or if it's foster care or if it's loving kids who have been adopted or um, loving the parents who might need to say, man, this is really hard, but they're kind of scared to mm -hmm. because it's all supposed to be really happy and great. <laughs> right. It's not always, so maybe be a listening ear. There's a lot of ways you can be a part of it. Uh, I mean, and I would say, I would say even on top of that, if, if, it, if you're at a point where, you know, it's impossible to bring a kid into your family, adoption is not families, you know, also are, are in need of, of finances Absolutely. to help the, the process, uh, to help get their kids back home if they're international or are all the legal fees that go along with it. So, I, I mean, I, I firmly believe, uh, as, as we've all been talking about, every, if you're a Christian, then you have a part in this yeah. at some, in some way, because you are a child of God that's been adopted into his family. Well, thank you all so much. We appreciate it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Let me show the kids. Thank you. Yeah. There we go. There they are. Yeah. Is, there, is, there, is that the only one, or we may have a couple more? Okay, that's it. Yeah. And they're here today, so hopefully y'all will get to see them and meet them. And So y'all, thanks so much, not only for sharing with us, but for what, for what y'all do and listening to God. That's amazing. So thank y'all. Yeah, appreciate it. All right. Give my hand. All right, we've got another video. Um, David and Vicki Rowden are folks that come to our church, and you may have seen uh, Jamel and Alayla around, and they have a couple of foster kids right now, but they also have adopted uh, before that. They've been adoptive and foster parents, and so uh, they have a great story, and so we're going to show that to you right now. So, so tell us how many of your own kids you had and then adopted and then... So we have five biological kids. Okay. And then we have two adopted children from China, both from China. One is an infant and one is a teenager. We just had a, a few in between, who's to say. So the first girl came to us in 81 as a baby. We've been blessed to be able to buy her wedding dress and go to her wedding. So it's um, something that we really think is what God wants us to do. So we had always had extra kids in our house. Um, we get a phone call from somebody at church and said they have a troubled teen. But in 2014, we decided to get our foster care license. And so um, we have had 14 kids through our house so far. Yeah. Um, from a preemie baby to um, teenagers. And it's really um, blessed our house, but also um, giving back to them and show them really what a, a Christian walk is. And um, especially the foster kids we have now um, accepted Jesus Christ in their lives while they were living with us. And they came from a non-Christian home, which a lot of them have. People say to us, why do we do it? and they could never do it because their heart breaks. And if you do it correctly, your heart will break when, when they leave. But it is the best rewarding thing. And even kids that give you a hard time while they're there, you never know the seed you planted because 
this Mother's Day sitting in church, I got a text message that said, thanks for being the only mother I ever knew. Wow. From a teenager that gave us a lot of trouble. Oh, she was the worst. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we had a lot of kids in our house, yeah. a lot of troubled teens throughout the years and international kids. And this is what we really believe is what God wants us to give back. We, we uh, I'll tell a story about the uh, teenage girls who had been three years of high school and had zero credit hours. Oh, wow. And we decided no matter what, when they leave, they're going to have credits to their school. In fact, uh, they did. They passed their classes. And that's when we got a, a, a text the other day, which was, by the way, we're graduating. Wow. We're going to come to graduation. That's a wild advice. Yeah. Wow. That's what you're talking about, the reward. The reward. Yeah. And it might be years down, you know, it was two or three years after they left our house. Well, do y'all want to talk a little bit about um, maybe how um, people in the community, family, churches, people have kind of helped y'all along the way with that? Well, there's a lot of support that can be given, you know, from as easy as you know, a meal to um, running uh, an errand or even getting someone to take the kids out for a while while we um, have dinner together. Right. Um, but there's things that people can do besides fostering that helps foster kids, like mentoring or mm -hmm. tutoring or um, just knowing that somebody else is there and cares. And, and there are people that do respite if you don't want to do it full time, you can just do it for a weekend at a time. It's a way to also give without having to be fully immersed in it. Yeah, and it's great not only for us because we need a break every once in a while, like anybody does, but also it's great for the kids because the respite people uh, we use take them to places that we normally wouldn't go. They take them to botanical gardens, much because they, they treat it as a treat for these kids, so they want to do something special. So these kids get to do something nice. Right. But it could even be as simple as a trip to the library to read yeah. a book, or you know, out for an ice cream cone. Something very simple, yeah. And the kids talk about it forever yeah. afterwards. What would you all say to somebody who's maybe thinking about getting into fostering that has some reservations? I think one of the things that most people have uh, reservations about is, is the end of the process and how can they ever give up these kids at the end? Wouldn't it be a heartbreak? And to us, it is, as, as Vicki was saying, it is, there is a, uh, it is hard. But also, let us say, you know you've given a lot to these kids, uh, and they remember you. And that's that's the main thing is that, is that they they take you with them to where they go, and they do stay in touch. If you go out, stay in touch. They will. All right. I know we've gone a little long today. Yeah, we can clap about that. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Um, also, before James comes up and, and does announcements as we close today, I wanted to say there may be some folks in here today that have been adoptive or foster parents, or maybe you were adopted or you were a foster kid at some point in your life, and I don't want you know, to make anybody do anything, but I know uh, Jim and Jeanette Christensen, we know and love them. They're part of our family here at Christian City, and they do that. But I would just ask if you've ever been a part of that process, would you stand today? Because I want other people to see people in the church that they can talk to today. Look at this. Okay, look, just look around. These are people that have stories that if God is maybe speaking to you 
about adoption or fostering. These are people in your own community that you can talk to that can encourage you to be a part of that. So please do that. And, and may, many of you probably know, maybe if you're a guest here, um, my wife Melanie and I have been foster parents for, I think, 19 or 20 years now. And, uh, and then recently, in the last couple of years, we have a, adopted as well. And uh, I was, uh, it was something that I didn't grow up with. I, I knew about it from Christian City, but actually Melanie grew up with that kind of environment of having foster kids. Her parents have uh, fostered over 200 kids and are still doing it in their 60s. And uh, it's an amazing thing. And I think the church, uh, the book of James tells us religion that is pure is what? To take care of widows and orphans. And that's what the church is called to do. So I hope something today maybe sparks something in you uh, that will help you. We've got a lot of resources, a lot of people to talk to, and I hope, I hope you will do that.